Well, good morning. That, that, that conversation is a reminder to me that I, too, need to be saved from myself. Many, many times I do. We've been looking at what it's like to be lost financially and how God has given us a lot of guidance. He's willing to give us the help we need to deal with the stuff in our hearts that gets us off track. And today we're going to talk about finding shelter. When you're lost in a jungle, I've never been lost in a jungle, but I've seen people who have been dropped off there on Survivor. And I'm, I'm not even a camper. Okay, I don't, I don't like camping. Um, but they, they choose to be there. The cameras are there. And they, they, the first thing they're concerned about is finding shelter. They all start working. It's fascinating to watch them begin to work together to try to build the shelter because foolishness comes out and all kinds of stuff. But shelter is crucial if you're going to live in the jungle, if you're going to be there for a while. You, you really need it. It becomes a very high-priority need. You, you need protection from the elements. I mean, any moment, usually this is a tropical location. Well, the jungle is a tropical location, isn't it? And it rains a lot in a rainforest. And so you need protection. You need you, Things happen to you when you're exposed to the elements that they're really not comfortable and not very pleasant. At any given moment, you need protection. So you may need to run under the shelter. When it gets dark outside, you need protection from who knows what. Um, you, you really need, you really need, it's very important. So today, we're going to talk about how God says to deal with the things in our hearts that tend to expose us to the elements of erosion in our, in our finances, and actually in the quality of our lives, just in, in general. Last week, we talked about how we can get lost in the first place financially. Uh, we can have a bad map, either from our parents or from culture. But we've got a, a bad plan in our mind, sort of like the plan that you saw on that video. They come up with a way to get what they want. And we have this map, and we figure out ways to do it that aren't that sane. Um, another way we can get lost is you just take a wrong turn. You make a mistake. You, you make a decision financially that doesn't turn out the way that you thought it would, and you, you've made a mistake. Or we can get distracted. That's another way to get lost. Not playing, paying close, close enough attention when you really need to. Uh, you know, we, we know we've, we've got to live with, on less than we make. I mean, that makes sense. And we have our plan for living on, you know, certain percentage, saving some, giving some, but, oh, we really want this. And our heart is drawn to it and we really want it. And it's so easy to get distracted. And so last week we also talked about how it's, it's good to look in the rearview mirror long enough to figure out what, what happened, long enough to learn. And then another thing that's good to do is ask for directions. And that's what we're doing in this series. We're, we're looking at the directions that God gives us for handling our money. Not, not so much. Next week we'll look at some more practical issues, but they're also decisions that you have to make in your heart that show up in the way that you handle your money. But we've been looking at primarily things that are rolling around in our hearts, things that are growing in our hearts that tend to grow that way, that get us off track and take us down the wrong road financially. God has a lot to say about money in the Scriptures. And the reason he does is because it reflects 
who you are. I mean, it really, in a big way, we spend a lot of time earning money. We tend to spend a lot of time handling our money, trying to figure out how we're going to going to deal with it. And since we put so much time and energy into it, the outflow of our, our finances reflects what's going on in here, reflects what's important to us and whether or not God really has our heart. So that's why he talks so much about finances. They're really a symptom of what's going on in here. And so God says a lot about it because he wants to get to our hearts. He wants to have our hearts. He wants to help us to develop our insides in a way that's going to bring max blessing to to him and fulfilling his purpose for our lives and in our own lives as well. He, he really wants us to find protection from the elements. So we're going to look at some things we need to guard our heart against today in order to be protected from the elements. The first piece of guidance that we're going to look at says, Run for the shelter of contentment. First Timothy 6, 6 through 8. But godliness with contentment is great gain. If, if you really want to find success in this life, if you really want to get ahead, this is it. This is the formula. Godliness, add contentment to it. And that is a real advantage in life. We're going to see how. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. I like that. We will be content. You can almost hear him telling himself. <laughs> we will be content with that because it's a choice. We have, to, we have to stand on that. We have to decide to be content with those things. But here is some crucial perspective for life. We make our entrance into the world and our exit from the world with nothing. It's what we do with the stuff in between our entrance and our exit that really matters. Because we're going to move into eternity and we're going to receive reward or not based on what we do in between our entrance and our exit with our stuff. Now, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ, you, you, you move on into eternity and you live forever. But the amount of your reward is determined by what you do with your stuff. And that's what's going on here. That's what they're saying. The stuff and the money and most of the things we worry about, they're all temporary. It, it's all temporary. The, the pressure and the pool that you fill for anything more than you absolutely need, that's stuff that's going to go poof. It's going to go away. And it doesn't really matter. It's not that important. But if we can learn to focus on the things that carry us beyond the grave, that will go beyond the grave, the, the real treasure, the things of real value, the things that you wrap your heart around if you're set on godliness, then you really become truly rich in this life and in the life to come. There's an article on the front page of, uh, or the sports page, front, front sports page of the LA Times this morning of a guy who's a minor league baseball player who had a really good year last year um, who has decided to walk away from it. He, he hit 31 home runs and stole 40 bases. That means he's got power and speed. 
which equates into a big salary if he can keep doing that at all the different levels. But this is a fascinating article because he decided to walk away from it. He had been injured, which happens a lot when you play sports, but while he was off, he began to feel that God was calling him into the ministry. And he began to to think that that's what God had for his life. And he, he decided that he'd like to play, if the Lord would give it to him, one season of injury-free baseball just to see if, if things went well, then he would, he would decide whether or not God was still calling him based on, you know, hey, things are going well. If I still feel a pull into the ministry, then I'll do that. And so he had the best year last year that he's ever had, 31 home runs and 40 stolen bases. That's, that's a high value. He could make a lot of money doing that. And he, he decided during one stretch, he was hurt for 10 days, and he would go to the ballpark, and he said he got excited about talking to the other players about their purpose in life. And he drew a lot of joy from that. He'd go and he'd talk to them about their purpose, about the things that really matter. And they said, when I hit a home run, by the time I touch home plate, the excitement's really over. But, boy, the, the, the purpose, the joy I get when I really talk to people about the things that matter, goes on and on. And that's, that's what we're reading about here. If you can set your heart on godliness with contentment, all that stuff, it's going to go away. The, the, the excitement of these things, the things that go on that we tend to wrap our heart around here on this earth, it's going to fade. So the, the Bible's definition of real success is to aim for godliness with contentment. To become godly means that you adopt God's perspective on life. He made us. He made this world. He made the universe. He created everything. And so godliness means to begin to adopt his perspective. Try to look at the situation right in front of you, the person right in front of you, the, the, the problem that you're handling, try to get God's perspective on that. That, that is incredibly valuable in choosing a path that you begin to follow after getting that. To be godly means you absorb His values, the things that are important to Him. You be, they become important to you. People, His Word, um, using your, um, the things that God has provided to to bless others. You begin to absorb his values. And then you take on his character. To be godly means to take on his character. You, you begin to uh, love. You're patient. You use self-control. You're gentle. You're kind. You, you have faith. These, these, things, these things really bless you across the board. And so that's what it means. If you can aim for godliness, taking on God's perspective, values, and character, you can begin to grow in that, add contentment to it, being satisfied with the stuff you already have, and being satisfied with food and clothing, then you have really made progress in life. The quality of your life goes way up. You have a real advantage in this life and then on beyond this life as well. This, this will keep you from being exposed to the elements. This contentment. If you can find this contentment and aim for godliness, it will, it will keep you protected from these elements. So, 
We're going to look at dealing with the desires that bring destruction, because that's the next thing that Paul says in this passage. God had him write this. He says in 1 Timothy 6, 9, people who want to get rich, they either desire to get rich or they just want to live rich. They may not uh, want to get rich, but they just want to come up with a way like they did on the video to, to live rich. If you, if you do that, if you want that, you fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. To stay on track financially, we, we have to recognize the desires that are, that are going to ruin us, that will ruin us, and deal with them before they do their damage. We, we all have desires in our heart. There's stuff in our hearts. We have good desires and bad desires. And when you turn around and follow Christ, you still struggle with the good desires and the bad desires, and you decide which ones are fed. You decide which ones grow and show up in what you say and do. And we need to recognize the desires that are going to hurt us and the people around us and stop, deal with those desires before they grow into something that will do the damage that they tend to do. So we're going to look at some of those desires now. First one is discontent. I read one man's comments this week. He said, discontent is a dynamic that fuels our financial woes. In some ways, it fuels our whole economy. And I think that's true. Discontent is the gnawing sense that I need an upgrade on the stuff I have. It's this gnawing sense that just gnaws at you. I, I need an upgrade. If we don't guard against discontent, we will live with, with it, and it will drive us to spend more and more and more. In, in our world, we see a bunch of stuff all the time that we don't have or that is an upgrade from what we do have. Just driving around, driving on the freeway, you see, you see better cars. You know, you buy a car, just wait a few months, there will be a better model out soon. And so in our hearts, if we don't deal with that desire for these upgrades in our hearts, we end up in trouble because there are all kinds of upgrades you can get. You can get an upgrade to your wardrobe, upgrade to your TV. You know, you buy a TV, and it's a little bigger than the one you had before. But after a few months, it begins to look like a postage stamp on the wall because you've been to Costco, and there are some massive TVs. At Costco. So you see the upgrades, wardrobe, TV, house, car, income, hairstyle, iPod, home theater, kitchen cabinets, wheels, not just the car, but the wheels. I mean, there are all kinds of upgrades that can draw your hearts in the wrong direction and can, can cause you to be discontent and disgruntled with what you do have. That's why there's so much value in godliness with contentment. And you find in Scripture that God has given us everything we need to be content. Being content is a choice that we make. We won't just arrive there. We, we have to choose contentment. And if we choose contentment, we tend to stay on track financially and we make major progress in the quality of our lives. Because these things I'm talking about today, they're appetites. They grow when you feed them. 
They don't go away, just like hunger. And we're going to have to deal with them our entire lives. We're going to have to keep saying no to those, to those appetites. And discontent is one of those. It's easy to compare, to look around, to get competitive, and be discontent with what it is you do have. Hebrews 13:5 and 6 says, Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God has said, now this is why we can be content, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, I, I will not be afraid, what can man do to me? So as you, as you deal with life, you can be content in the fact that you know God is right there, ready to walk through with you. His presence provides enough, and we'll look at that, how that is in a little bit. Another desire to deal with is greed. Webster's defines greed as a selfish and excessive desire for more of something like money than is needed. Actually, that's what it says. Selfish and excessive desire for more of something, in parentheses, as money than is needed. One day Jesus was teaching the crowds, and he must have got to a a question and answer the portion of the day. And one of the guys in the crowd asked him, or actually didn't ask him, but he, he said, Jesus, tell my brother to give me my inheritance. Brother must have been the executor of the will or whatever. And he, he said, would you tell him to give me, he's, he's not being fair with me, and he's not, he's not handing it over, would you tell him to give it to me? And Jesus said this, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. That's, that's how he responded. Now, the brother was being greedy, but the guy who asked the question was also very concerned about getting his stuff. Our life is not about stuff. It, but, but our stuff, our greed, can drive a wedge in relationships. It can cause some real damage. After he made that statement, Jesus told a story. He told a story about a farmer who had a fantastic year farming. Just an amazing year. And he had so much uh, produce from the land that he started building barns to hold it all because he thought, hey, this is such a good year. I could just build these barns and I could store the stuff in the barns and I can just eat, drink, and be merry the rest of my life off of this year. It's been a fantastic year. While he's building the barns, the guy dies. And and what what the master says, what, what is said is, you fool, because you're building these barns and your soul is required of you right now in the midst of your hoarding all this stuff that I have blessed you with, God says, your soul is required of you. And Jesus' comment is, this is how it will be for those who store up treasure for themselves and are not rich toward God. That's that's a pretty powerful point he's making. And so, it's easy. Another thing, what Jesus is saying here, it's very easy for us human beings to confuse our wants and our needs. 
And if we confuse our wants and our needs, then every extra dollar that comes my way is spent when I get it on the stuff we want. Every, every extra dollar. I like this. A guy said, a guy said this. What Jesus is saying here is the assumption, greed is the assumption that life's extras, time and money, extra time and extra money, are for our consumption. It's the assumption that life's extras are for our consumption. That's what greed is. Jesus is saying that. That is not good. Because you, you don't get rich toward the right things. More stuff doesn't solve any real problem that we have. Greed is an appetite. And when you feed it, it grows. Feed me. Feed me more. Hey, that's what it does. It's a black hole. It'll never be satisfied. And so we've got to say no to greed. We've got to say no to these things that tend to grow in our hearts and lead to a pursuit of things that are a waste. And in our heart of hearts, if when we stop, like the, the baseball player who was injured, when he thought about it, when he had some time to think, he had a religious background, when he had some time to think, he knew there's a lot more to life than hitting a little ball over the fence. There are a lot more important things that I can do. Now, our, our culture, our society will pay you a lot of money for doing that, places a high value on that. But there, if we're not careful, we'll pursue the big paycheck, the big bonus, and give ourselves to things that don't really matter. That's what Jesus is talking about here. Uh, another thing we need to deal with that will get us off track is envy. Boy, that will take you in a direction uh, that will waste your time and effort. I, I want to take a brief look at how desires tend to grow and expose us to the elements. We've got to stop them before they, they drive us into the jungle and we're lost. Desire, they're normal. We, we have good and bad desires. We have things we want in our hearts. But a desire is just a longing for something. It could be a steak. It could be a car. It could be a TV. Oh, it's getting close to lunch. The steak sounded good. Sorry. <laughs> <clears throat> um, could be a mate, could be a family. You want a family. You, you, you just long for something. This is what you want. And if you're not careful, you begin to covet. Covet is a notch up from desire. This is where you want what someone else has. They have what you want, and you want what they have. That's why Ten Commandments says don't covet, because it leads you in the wrong direction. It really does. And then envy. Envy follows coveting. Envy is when I covet something another person has and I begin to resent them because they have it. A friend drives up in the car you've always wanted. I deserve that. Just like on the video, I deserve an Escalade. I, I, you know, why not? Let's figure out a way to do this. And it, it leads us in the wrong direction. Jealousy follows envy. I envy, and my, I feel my rights are violated, and I begin to treat the person who has what I want as an enemy. All, by all rights, I should have what they have. And so we, we can't enjoy with them what they've just received. 
you know, because we show up at the house and they've just remodeled. And, you know, it's really hard to rejoice with them. It's, 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 it's kind of easy to slip into giving them the cold shoulder and being frustrated with that. So we've got to watch out for that because this stuff that tends to grow in our hearts wrecks all kind of havoc on our relationships. It steers us in a direction where we waste our time and money and energy. James 3.16 says, For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. The Greek word, this is originally written in Greek, the Greek word for disorder means instability, chaos. It, it, it creates all kinds of havoc. And we're willing, that every evil practice flows out of this. We talked last week about the three things in our hearts. You know, I want something, I deserve it, and I'm willing to hurt people to get it. That, that's what, look at this, envy combined with selfish ambition leads us to evil, to hurt people. That's, that's, that's what it is. We, we hurt the others around us, and it wrecks all kinds of havoc on our relationships, on our financial stability, and on our lives, because we end up pursuing stuff just because we want it, and we want to at least be on the level of the people around us, and it would, you know, we deserve to be a little above the people around us, because we're pretty special. So we deserve that stuff. Ecclesiastes 4.4 says, And I saw that all labor and all achievement spring from man's envy of his neighbor. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Comparison and competition drives people to chase more, more and more. It's like a hamster on a wheel. We just start spinning, wasting our time. If you listen to your heart, deep in your heart, God put eternity there, the scripture says. And so you know there's more than just the stuff in this life. You know this is true. Proverbs 14.30 says, A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. This stuff erodes your insides, and then it shows up on the outside, and it begins to ruin your relationships. It, re- it takes the joy, it robs the joy out of your life, and you cannot move forward. You yourself deteriorate from the inside out if you, if you give yourself to discontent, greed, and envy. These are appetites that eat away at our insides, and you've got to say no to them. And there is no final, between here and the grave, there is no final solution to an appetite. You're going to get hungry every day. You're going to need to keep eating, and it's the same with these things. You're going to have to constantly keep dealing with them. The way you deal with them is you have the right perspective. God gives us the help here. God goes on to give us guidance to run from these things and run towards some other things. Build your future on a solid foundation. 1 Timothy 6.11 But you, man of God, flee from all this. Run from these destructive desires and pursue the things that are going to build your life both here and now and on into eternity. So... Run from the destructive stuff and run toward, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Pursuing these, these things build a life of meaning and purpose. Relationships flourish. You end up doing what God thinks is important. And when, you're, when something is made 
and, and it does what the maker made it to do. There's a rightness about it. It brings glory to the maker. We glorify God by doing what he's made us to do. And deep inside, we know that's right. There's a, there's a joy and a peace that comes from doing that as we set ourselves to do that. And then as we use our money, it begins to bless people and further God's purpose. And we find a lot of joy in that, just like the guy found joy in talking to the guys on the other men on the team about their purpose in life. Verses 17 through 19 of 1 Timothy 6 says, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. This is directed to us. Most, most of people in the United States are in this category. We are rich. We have more than we need. It's, it's you know, easy for most of us to eat more food than we need. And so I, I say that not to guilt you, because we're going to see in this verse, God is not trying to guilt us. He's not trying to guilt us in life by bringing this up. But I say it just to make sure that you're in this category, because you could read this, say, command those who are rich. Well, I'm not rich. Well, you're not rich by our standards, but I was in Central Asia, and a friend of mine took me to a hotel kind of up over this city, a major city. And he, he looked over, and we saw these houses. He said, all of those houses have been built in the last few years on this hillside, just because the land is free. If you can build a house, you, you can have the, the land. And so there are all these houses built on that steep hillside. It, it's a mountain. This place is in a bowl. And it's, it's this hillside. And he said, you know, the interesting thing is there's no running water up there. Every day. They have to carry the buckets of water up to their houses to survive. That's, that's a different level of, of living than we're used to. We, we have a high standard, and I, I really don't say that to, to guilt you out because God doesn't want you to feel guilty, and we'll see how. He says, don't put your hope in wealth. We're rich. We tend to. But to put your hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Now, here's the non-guilt portion. <laughs> you know, he, he wants us to enjoy it. He gave us an abundance because he wants us to enjoy it. He put us in this country. He decided before we were born where we were going to live. Acts 17 says that he determines your address when you're born and the place you're going to live. He put us here. And he, he decided to bless this country, and he decided to bless you and I. He did that for a reason. Because he wants us to take the abundance and use it for good. It goes on. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life. That is truly life. This is life. Giving yourself away is where you find really life. Remember, we, we enter and exit the world with zip. Nothing. What we do with the stuff, the abundance in between, is how we build for eternity. That's how we build for the things that really matter. What we do with our extra time and our money. Brings, brings a real reward from God and, and pleases him, which leads us to real success. The solution to discontent 
is to run from the, the destructive desires and begin to pursue the right things. You have to replace the destructive stuff with the right things, with the good stuff. So you pursue the right things. Flee from wanting to live rich or be rich, trying to keep up, misprioritizing things, and run toward the things that bring real success. We're told to take on God's character, his values, and his perspective. If, if you choose righteousness, that means you're looking at every situation you're dealing with right here and now, and you're trying to do right by God. You do right by God, things go well. I mean, you, you, make, you make progress. Godliness, endurance, these are qualities, these are God's character qualities that as we learn to take them on, they really make a difference in every area of our lives, financially, in our family life, in our relationships, in the way we handle problems, the way we make decisions. You, that's a real advantage to, to living life in a way that, that helps us have real gain, real gain in life. So we set out to do these things every day. And as we're doing them, as we're pursuing these, we're building on a solid foundation here and for later on in eternity. Put your hope in God. Two of our deepest needs are for security and significance. And if we're not careful, we're looking to money. Money's the answer for everything. If I just had a little more money, I'd be secure. I, if I had the money to buy the stuff that I want to make me feel better, more significant than the people around me, then that would work. Don't put your hope in that. Put your hope in God. You're never going to have enough stuff to feel secure. You're never going to have enough money to feel secure. You're never going to have enough stuff to feel significant. Because it's empty. There's an emptiness to it when you have an abundance. Put your hope in God who gives us everything. This is not a guilt thing. He gives, gives us this stuff to enjoy. But he wants us, he, he wants us in our hearts to make a shift from wrapping them around all the stuff to out of gratitude being aware of God's goodness. We have an abundance because God has decided we would have an abundance. So our abundance, our, 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 our richness should remind us of God's goodness and our dependence on him. And then we want to use it to bless the people around us to advance God's purpose in the world, to accomplish what he wants us to do. He doesn't want us to feel guilty about our money. He doesn't want us to feel guilty about what we have. But he wants it to make us aware of his goodness and our dependence on him, and then to do good and be generous in the way that we live our lives. Here's a great question. If you have extra time and extra money, how can I use my abundance? For good. How can I use it to accomplish God's purpose? How, how can I take this extra and make a difference with it that will go on for eternity? That will lay up treasure for you in eternity. When, when you decide to follow Jesus Christ, his kingdom, he becomes your king and you enter into his kingdom. It's completely upside down. From our normal way of things, like the Poseidon adventure. 
You know, very early in that movie, the boat gets turned upside down and everything's upside down from there on. That's what happens when you come to Christ. It's an upside down kingdom. And what he said over and over again while he was on the earth is, give your life away and you will find life. You will find the life you're looking for if you'll give it away. If you give it away in, in, with a desire to honor him, he gives back the life that is life indeed. You find the life you really want that way. We're going to wrap up. I'm going to, well, I'm going to wrap up. You have no, no choice in the matter. <laughs> but you might be happy to know that I'm going to wrap up the message <clears throat> right now. And uh, we'll be receiving our offering in, in a little bit. But as we get ready to do that, I'd like to offer some next steps that you could take. Uh, next steps just of obedience as, as a result of hearing what, we've talked, what I've talked about this morning. Um, one of those could be to memorize 1 Timothy 6.6. 6. Godliness with, with contentment is great gain. Just to be reminded of that. Very short verse. When you start getting discontent, quote it. Use it like a sword. That, that really helped. Um, next step would be to choose contentment and thank God for what I have when I see an upgrade I want. Chances are you're going to see one today. And, and when you see it, God... Thank you for what I do have, and, and, and help me to be satisfied with that in you. Third step you could take is to read 1 Timothy 6 and make a plan to grow in contentment. There's some real help there in that, in that chapter on growing in contentment. And then finally, I will build for my future by taking action to serve or give when I see a need. Today... When we leave here, or even before we do, if you see a need, you're going to take action to serve, to give, to meet that need with the extra that you have, the extra time and, and the extra money. Uh, so we'll be taking our offering in a little bit. If you drop the connection card in the offering, that'd be great. And I do want to thank you again for, for your giving, for, for your faithful giving to us, because that's how we do what we do. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for the truth that we find in your scripture. Because it, it is the place that we're constantly reminded of what's really important in life. Thank you for the help that you give. And help us, Father, to faithfully pursue righteousness, love, faith, uh, endurance, and patience. Help us to pursue the, these God these godly characteristics that will help us to grow ourselves and bless the people around us and really be an advantage to you as you use us for your purpose and we find the joy in that. God, help us with this. Help us to have a heart to bless those around us and to use our stuff and our money to bless them. We ask for your help in this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. <laughs>